today I want to jump into our, our, our message today. We're continuing our series called Roots and Basics. I'm say Roots and Basics. In Roots and Basics, we've been talking about some essentials of our faith, some of the most important things for us not just to know in our heads, but to experience, to know deeply. And when we know these things, when we live out of these things, it changes everything about our lives. So, so week one, we talked about how God is love. Everyone say God's love. We talked about how God is love. We talked about how God has always existed as a trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. And the fact that God has always existed as trinity means that, that God has always been love. Because the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit loves the Father. And it's like this whole triangle of love, self-glorification, of them glorifying each other. And so when they, when, when the Trinity says, let us, let us make like everything, let us like make the earth and let us make mankind in our own image, they did that not because they needed love, not because God needs our love, but the reality is because God wants to demonstrate and manifest, pour out his love for you. So we talked about how God is love. And secondly, we, we talked about sin. Everyone say sin. We talked about sin. Everyone said that a lot quiet, a lot more quiet than God is love. But we talked about sin and, and this disease that we have. Sin not being just something we do sometimes, but a disease that destroys us, that fractures our world, and the fact that there's nothing we can do to, to get out of our sin, that we are hopeless without Jesus because Jesus is hope. Can you say Jesus is hope? Jesus is hope. So we talked about the week two and, and week three, we talked about how Jesus saves. Everyone say Jesus saves. Talk about how Jesus saves. We talked about the gift of salvation, what God saves us from, what he wants to pull us out of, like the problem and disease of sin and death. And he wants to bring us into true life, which is knowing him. And the reality is that when we give our lives to Jesus and receive salvation, it changes everything about our life. So that's what we've talked about so far. And if we move forward, we're going to be talking about some, some key things about who we are. I'm going to say who I am. Who we are and, and, and kind of what we do in this, in this faith walk. So next week, Pastor Victor is going to be bringing the word. Everyone say hallelujah. hallelujah. Pastor Vitor, he's always been leading worship and he's an amazing job. But he's like an amazing speaker as well. So maybe I'm biased because he's my brother. But I think he's a great speaker. So uh, next week he'll be talking about worship. And, and the week after that, New Life Downtown Youth Group is going to be joining us. And Pastor Brock Trexler, who's the youth pastor up there or down there because it's south. Yes, South. Uh, we'll be joining us and preaching about prayer. I would say prayer. We're preaching about prayer. And the week after that, we'll be over. We'll join here. We'll worship together. We'll go and pray over in the worship center after that for Desperation Conference. And the week after that, it's Desperation Conference. The summer's going to fly by. So if you are in the state of Colorado, you're not vacationing over the next few weeks, I want you to be here. I'm going to say, be here. Look at your neighbor and say, be here. Be here. All right. Tonight, we're going to be talking about these few questions. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these questions down. What does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be the church? Maybe even a better question is, what is the church? And the last question is this, number three. Where, where do I belong or where do I matter in the church? I'm going to write those things down and Real quick, I want everyone to go ahead and stand up. We're going to pray together. Let's go ahead and stand up. Stand up. I want you to go ahead and open up your hands like this. I want you to close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes. With your hands open, with your eyes closed. I want you to pray this simple prayer that we pray often here. Will you just say, Holy Spirit, come. 
We do that not because he needs us to, to beg him. We do that because the reality is that he is in this room. If you're a believer in Jesus, he's inside of you right now. And he wants to reveal himself to you. So when we pray that prayer, it's asking the Holy Spirit to, to make us aware of his presence. The fact that he is here. So would you just once again say, Holy Spirit, come. Lord Jesus, I am I'm in awe of you. As I, as I worshiped my brothers and sisters in Christ here, I was reminded of the beauty and the power of the church. 10, 11-year-olds all the way up to 18, 19-year-olds. Leaders in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. All of us gathered together with one thing in common that trumps every single thing on earth. It's the name of Jesus. So God, I pray that these words that I, I preach in just these few minutes would go deep. Lord, and that what we would walk away from tonight with is seeing you as more beautiful and seeing the church, seeing each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, seeing each other as the body of Christ, that we would see each other with love. So we need you, Lord. Change us, transform us, bring us out of our selfishness and our self-centeredness. Lord, where people are coming in today empty and distracted, God, I pray even right now that they would know that you desire relationship with them. Where students are coming in dry and kind of feeling over this whole Christian thing, would they be reminded of the fact that you have given your life for them and you desire relationship with them. So Holy Spirit, we say come. We need you. We want you. And if you can agree with that, will you say amen. 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 Go ahead. Take a seat. Take a seat. Let me ask you guys this question. Shh. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever really needed someone before? Have you ever had a situation in your life where you really, really needed someone? Maybe, maybe it was a moment where you were in like some big trouble and you needed someone to come through. Maybe it was a time when you were going through something really difficult. But can you think of a time when you needed someone? Raise your hand, not with me, if you can think of that. If you can think of that. Well, I think one of the best examples of this is in team sports. Who here plays a team sport? Come on. It's like baseball, softball, volleyball, football, basketball, the best team sport. Uh, lacrosse, rugby, like track if you're like doing relays. There's like a billion other things. If I didn't say your sports, if I didn't say your sport, it's all love. It's nothing personal. But like I think about team sports or maybe even if you do, if you do acting or if you, if you are like in a band, you play music, like a lot of things that we do in our lives it means that we actually need someone. Everyone say, need someone. We need someone. When I think about team sports, I, I think it's one of the best, the best pictures of how we need each other in life, right? When you think about a team sport like basketball, who here plays basketball? I got to give love to all the hoopers. That's, that's my sport. But like if you're thinking about basketball or any other thing that requires a team, what, what makes a team special is when you have one team after one goal. Everyone say, one team. And everyone say one goal. One more time. One team. One goal. So when you have a team that is unified around this one goal, often they're very successful. But when, they're, but when you have certain teams where you have a bunch of people that are really like selfish, 
They just want to get there, so they want to like drop a 30 piece, so they want to kick like six goals or whatever it is. Uh, like, like the reality is, is like if you have a bunch of different goals on the team, you can say that you're one team, but if you have a bunch of different goals, it ain't going to work. Anyone ever been on a team like that? And it's like you, you want to be the team player and you're sitting there like, bro, stop shooting. You're, you're not good. Stop, you know. Like, like the reality is, is like within a team you need each other. Think about some of the greatest movies of all time. Like Remember the Titans. Who's seen Remember the Titans? If you haven't seen it, let, let me pass through you. Let me, let me pass through you because I love you. Watch Remember the Titans because it's amazing, it's hilarious, and it's a beautiful story, Okay. It's awesome, okay? But like you think about like all these amazing stories, like what we remember is not when you have one team with five guys who have different plans and different goals. It's when they all become unified. Everyone say unified. unified. It's when they all become unified after one goal. And the reality is, is that we as the people of God actually have a very similar commission. We have a very similar commission. Like if you, if you think back to the very beginning of the Bible, the very first thing that God himself ever says is not good is what? And it's not good for man to, it's not good for man to be alone. God makes the heavens and the earth and there's beautiful mountains and trees and all these different things. And like Adam is chilling with like every single animal on earth. Think about it, like I always picture myself in heaven, like when there's like animals, everyone's good, like riding a dinosaur, because like I can, you know, like riding a T-Rex would be sweet. Like, but like Adam's chilling there with all of the animals, but there's something that is not good. It's the fact that he's alone. It's the fact that he doesn't have another person with him. And he even had direct like, communion and relationship with God. But the way that God has made us in his image and likeness is that for us to be able to, to be the beings of, of love that we are created to be, because God is love and he's created us in his own image and likeness. You see how that works? Then what that means is like for us to be able to be the beings that he wants us to be. That's a lot of be, being, be. If you're tracking me. For us to be the people he wants us to be. We have to have others around us for us to love each other and for us to be loved by each other. So God says it is not good for man to be alone. One of the pictures we're given in scripture that, that clearly illustrates what it means to be the church. I'm say the church. One of the clear pictures of what it means to be the church is, is this picture of us being one body. Everyone say one body. One body. Let me, let me read this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 for us. It's going to be 1 Corinthians 12 starting in verse 12. If you have your Bible, open up. You can follow along on screen. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free. Basically what that means is people from all different backgrounds, people who are extremely different, are all baptized into the one body and all were made to drink or receive of one spirit. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. Everyone say many. many. Look at your neighbor and say that means you. <laughs> of many. If the foot should say because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 16. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Have you guys ever like, asked that question before? 
right? Like if you've never read this passage, like I would never ever think about this. Like if like I was just like an ear, just ear. It's weird. Okay, anyways, but track with it. Paul's being interesting. Verse 18, shh, verse 18. But as it is, God arranged. Everyone say God arranged. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If you have your Bible, I want you to underline that. Each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I want to say one body. Now what this means is simply this. Hear me. Shh. That to be a Christ follower means that you are a member of the body of Christ. Okay, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a believer in Jesus, then that means it is not optional whether you are part of the church or whether you are part of the body of Christ or not. Can you track with me? It is, it is not optional. It's not something you can say, yeah, yeah, like, I'll, I'll sign up for this because like some of my friends go to this, so I'm cool. Or like some of the kids at youth group are actually like cool, they're not weird. So yeah, I'll, like I'll sign up to be part of the church. Right? Like, like sometimes we think that, that when it comes to being a part of the body of Christ or when we even use language like brothers and sisters, it can sound really cliche, right? Like, like you, you can hear all the time like, like when, you know, so, hey, brothers and sisters, may you know, we use this language and it can really just sound like a dumb cliche unless we realize that we are one body. Everyone say one body. We must realize that we are one body, that we are one family, that in, like to be a Christ follower means that you are part of his body. It is not optional. I'm going to say not optional. One of, the, one of the primary pictures we get besides the body of what it looks like to be the church or who is the church is this idea that we are the bride of Christ. I'm going to say the bride. Now this might sound a little, a little funny. It's, it's a picture, but, but hear me. When we talk about us being the bride of Christ, anyone who believes in Jesus, his sons and daughters, when we say that we are the bride of Christ, what that means is that, is that Jesus is like the bridegroom who has chosen us, right? He has, he has chosen us and he has, he has chosen to love us and to protect us and to redeem us from our sin and to say, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make a covenant with you that lasts forever. I'm going to say forever. I'm going to make a covenant with you that lasts forever. And this is why marriage, when it is done right, is actually supposed to be one of the most beautiful pictures of God's love. Now hear me. The reality is, is that, like if we were to be honest, probably 40% of the people in this room, the picture of marriage that they have seen in their home is not that. Right? Like, that's not the picture that they have seen. But when we think about a godly marriage of, of a husband and a wife laying their life down for each other, serving one another, loving each other selflessly, it is, it's just a glimpse of God's love for us. I had a professor in college who would, who would say this, that you cannot love Jesus if you hate his bride. You cannot love Jesus if you hate his bride. I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine you're going up to someone that you know that's married. Maybe it's like, like me, maybe it's Pastor Victor, like, like someone that's like that's married and, 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 and like you come up to this person and you want to tell them like how amazing they are. 
right? Like you come up to them and like, man, like you're such a man of God. I love your passion for this and, and I love how you lead in this. And they, they give all of these amazing compliments. And then in the same breath, they look at like the dude and they're like, but man, your wife sucks. Like, no, you're awesome. Like, I, like you're an amazing man of God and you're cool. Like, I love following you. But like, why did you pick her? Like, like, your wife is not it. Like, like there's like, I, I like, bro, I'm, I love you. Like, we're good, but I ain't never going to, like, be cool with her. I don't want to get to know her. I don't want to hurt in my life. Like, I want you in my life. Like, you're awesome, but, like, your wife is the worst. Can you imagine? Like, if, if someone were saying that to me, I would hope I was, like, abiding in Jesus and, like, the fruit of the spirit of self-control was, like, oozing out of me. Because, like, I would be so mad. I'd be like, how dare you? Like, like, can you imagine, like, no one in their right mind would go up to a dude and say, like, bro, you're awesome. You're a man of God. I love you. You're, you're my guy. But your wife is the worst. But hear me. Hear me. Shh. The reality is, is that for many people in Christianity, not even just in this room, like, outside, I think about, like, Christians all over the U.S. They say, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I, like, I believe, like, he died and rose again. Like, yeah, I believe in the, the Bible. I, I believe in all that, but, like, nah, church isn't for me. Right? Like, like you guys have probably heard people say these things. Like, yeah, yeah, like, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. But, like, but, but, like Christians are the worst. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't really, I, I don't need to be part of the church. Like, me and God, like, we can have our own thing. And I don't need to involve all the messy people around. Now, everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Shh, everyone look at me. I want to say that if you, if the, if, if the example that you have seen from Christians, maybe you're in this room and you're, you're not really a believer. Like, you're here for youth group because, like, free burgers and games. Let's go. I'm glad you're here. But, like, some of you in this room, maybe, like, you've been really hurt by Christians, by people who say they're Christians. Right, for maybe the way that they have acted, for the way that they haven't treated you with kindness and love, like we're called to. Or maybe you, you look at the way that some Christians interact, and, and like they call themselves Christians and believers of Jesus, but the way they talk about other people, the way they gossip, the way they treat you, the way they bully people at school, let's be real. People who call themselves Christians are doing all these things. And people say, there's no way I want that God if this is how his people act. And that's been your story. I want to say I'm sorry. It's not okay. It's not who Jesus is. But if you're in this room and, and your approach to, to doing this Christian life is, no, 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 I'll just like read my Bible, I'll worship, I'll do kind of everything by myself, you're missing it. Because you cannot love Jesus if you do not love his bride. Everyone say his bride. And so what it means is that you and I, we actually have a responsibility. That if you are a believer in Jesus, hear me, every single person in this room, if you're a brand new sixth grader and you're like 10 or 11 years old, if you just graduated high school and you're about to go off to college, hear me, it means you have a responsibility to love and to serve every person in this room. I got to you, you have a responsibility to do that. Now you might be asking, like, why? Or even, like, what, is, what does this look like? How do I do this? Let me read this passage in 1 Corinthians, at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, beginning of 1 Corinthians 13. Cassidy, you can go ahead and come on up. Grady, you can bring down the lights just a little bit. As Paul is talking about the body of Christ, how all people have different gifts that God has given. This is what 
He says, earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you still a more excellent way. Look at the screen with me. Verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Say, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And verse 13 says this. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Jesus' words to his disciples. Some of the last chapters in the Gospel of John. Jesus says the simple statement that has played over and over in my mind the last few months. And Jesus simply says, the world will know that you are my, my disciples by the way that you love one another. The world will know that you are my disciples by the way you preach, by the way you teach, by the way you try to tell all these people, like, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus. By you checking off all the boxes, praying for people and reading scripture and, and doing all of the right things. Hey, friends, listen to me. Guys, listen to me. Is that how the world knows? No, no, no. The world will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. And friends, when I think about the world we live in, when I think about some of the dynamics in this youth group, my heart grieves. My heart grieves because what we see in our world is the weakest and fakest picture love. What the world says is, yeah, what love looks like is, is you love the people that are just like you. They look the same as you. They talk the same as you. They believe the same things as you. They come from the same amount of money as you, the same background as you. If they agree with everything that you say, everything you believe, like those are the people you love. And the world says that if, if anyone's a, 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 a different political party, get rid of them. Don't love them. They hate you. You don't, you don't want them in your life. If someone's a different race, you don't, you, don't, you don't really need to belong to them. You don't really need to have friendship with them. If someone comes from a different socioeconomic background, a different amount of money, 
Maybe you're lower class and, and you're around someone's upper class and all you can feel is hatred toward them. Or you're an upper class person, you look at someone who doesn't have much money and you judge them. What the world says is love those who are like you. And if anyone disagrees with you, if they're different than you, cut them, stay away from them, cancel them, be gone. That's, that's the picture of, of, of love that the world gives. In, in marriage, it says, yeah, yeah, just kind of do whatever makes you happy. Marry whoever you want, whenever you want, and pretty much you can just like cut up the contract anytime you want. It doesn't really mean anything. And friends, all I can simply say is that that is not the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus that, that Paul describes here in this passage. Our people understand that, it's, that their life is not even about all the, the gifts they have or the things that they can, quote, unquote, offer to God. No, no, no. Like the greatest thing is that we love one another. You can have a billion gifts that you can share. You can preach. You can lead worship. You can prophesy. You can pray for. You can check all the boxes of Christianity. If you do not have love, you're nothing. We are nothing if we do not love. And what we see here is a description of biblical, godly Christ's love. Love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. Bears all things at last. Love never ends. And friends, hear me. You know what I want to mark this youth ministry? It's not how many people walk through these doors. Couldn't care less. It's not even if everyone's lifting their hands or not. If people can recite a billion scriptures or not. You know what my heart burns for that, that I want to see in this youth group? is a bunch of people who understand that Jesus' love is so amazing that our response to his love is, is to love one another. We were just singing the song, All Hail King Jesus, let every knee bow before the King of Kings. I think about a passage in Philippians 2 that says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And the reality is like in this room, we have so many different kinds of people. We have rich, we have poor. Some, some of you in this room, if you're like middle or upper class, like, like you may not even realize there's people in this room who like, like they barely have enough money to get by. Like they, like they may have two parents, maybe a single parent who is working their butts off just to get food on the table gas in the tank to be able to get them to school and to be able just to be some form of stable. We have rich, we have poor. We have black, we have white, we have brown. We have, we have all people from different races, cultures, backgrounds. We have people who are Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, not affiliated. Some of you are like, what does any of that mean? Don't worry about it. Some of you are about to be 18 or you are 18. You might vote in next year's election. We have people who have different opinions, different worldviews, 
people who may actually believe different things about God. Think about how many denominations we see in our world. There are literally hundreds of denominations. Hundreds. Because you know what, what Christians do? They say, oh, you disagree with me about this one thing, about the expression of this one spiritual gift. We're splitting churches. No, you disagree with me. I don't need you. You know what I want to see in this youth group? It's people that because Jesus is their one thing, because our cry is give me Jesus. I don't need anything or anyone else. I don't need popularity. I don't need, I don't need anything else. What I, what I want and what I need is Jesus. And when that's our heart cry, instantly there is something that unifies us. And it is the name of Jesus. Remember to say Jesus unifies Jesus unifies. It's at his name alone that people who are so different, different ages. Like we have 10-year-olds in this room and like 18, 19-year-old students. Like huge age range. Like if you're like 18 or 19 now, you just graduated high school. Like you look back to sixth grade and you're like, oh, I was like three feet shorter. My voice was like eight octaves higher. Right? Like, but the reality is, is that whether you are the oldest in this room or the youngest in this room, hear me. You have a responsibility to the people in this room. If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a believer in Jesus, that means you are part of this body. That you have a part to play. So this is what I want us to do. I want everyone to stand up. I want to read this this passage in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 says this, verse 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that we have a God who has loved us first, who has given himself for us because he loves you, because he wants relationship with you. And what he, what he asks of us in return is that our love for him would be shown in the way we love one another. That when someone is in this room irritates you, everyone look at me. Like, like I, 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 I can literally see it all the time. It's like the look across the lobby, like one friend group to the other of like, you know, it's like, oh, oh, damn, oh. Why do they even come to youth group? They're the worst. I'm a lot better. I don't even judge. <laughs> like, like the reality is like in this room, there's like, like I just, I know the dynamics. Like probably a lot of you, like you just see a face and you're like, you know, it's like you have this like, this disgust. And friends, hear me. What the love of Jesus does is when we understand that we deserve nothing, that we didn't deserve his love, that we had this disease called sin. And because of this disease, we had no way of coming to Jesus. We are completely unable. What what has happened is that God has demonstrated his love by, by giving us Jesus. And because he has done that and has given us Jesus so we can have forgiveness and relationship with God. Because we have a God who laid down his life. What is the only proper response? to lay our life down for each other. To say, I don't agree with this person whatsoever. Like, I love basketball, they hate it. They think it's the worst sport on earth. 
you know what? I get to love them. They, they have a different theology than me. They have a different political party than me. Like, like everything about this me and this person is different. You know what you get to do? You get to love them. You get to say, you're not marked by what you do, where you go to school. What you're marked by is you are a believer in Jesus. You are my brother. You are my sister in Christ, so I will love you. It's my responsibility. And as an older brother, to you guys, is to love you guys. It's to love you guys. So this is what I want to do for just a few minutes. What I want to ask you guys is, if you're, if you're not going to be bought into this, just to stay quiet. If you don't want to engage or, in, or be involved, it's okay. Just, be, just stay quiet. This is, I, I want a few things to happen. We're just going to have a few minutes. Cassie's going to play piano. I want to open it up for an opportunity for you just to, to go and pray for someone. It could be someone you're close with, someone you've never met before. To pray for them. Because like I said at the beginning, when we come together as the body of Christ, we encourage each other, we inspire each other. When I come in and I feel empty or, or my faith is shaken because of some things in my life and I see other people worshiping and giving it their all, it inspires me to do the same thing. To say, yeah, yeah, Jesus is worthy. Yeah, he is good. I do want to worship him. But I want to open it up for you to, to pray over someone. Another thing I want to do, this is going to be super uncomfortable. I love it. Is there someone in this room that you have held something against for a long time. Some of you are like, don't say it. I know what you're about to say. Don't say it. I'm going to say it. There's someone in this room that's like, I've held a grudge against them. I have judged them. Maybe they did or said something that was wrong. I want to challenge you that just as Jesus hung on the cross, suffocating to death, bleeding out, getting no oxygen in his lungs. His prayers, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So I want you to go to that person. If there's someone the Lord puts on your heart, the Holy Spirit's nudging you. It's like, it's hard. I want you to go up to them and say, hey, I have, I have judged you. I have held something against you. The way I have thought about you has not been as my brother or sister in Christ. Will you please forgive me? This isn't your time to say, so these are all the things you did. So once you apologize, then I'll apologize and say, will you forgive me? No, no, no. That's not the Jesus way. Well, this is an opportunity for you to say, even if you don't change, I want you to know I love you. That I see you as my brother or sister in Christ. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. That, that I am sorry. So like I said, if you don't want to pray over anyone, if you, if you don't feel led to go and, and ask for forgiveness from anyone, just stay quiet. Leaders help me out. If people are just kind of messing around, just tell them, be quiet. So I just want to give a few minutes for that. Let's go ahead. You can, you can move around the room. Still, you can kind of spread out a little bit if you want. Maybe there's someone in your life that isn't in this room that you've been holding something against. Maybe you need to get, a, get it to a place in this room and get on your knees and pray for them. So go ahead and go into some, some moments of prayer.